Hello there. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, now, anyone who's had a look at their programmes will may have noticed I am not, in fact, Emily McLaughlin, uh, who sends her sincere apologies for not being here this evening. She's been called away. But it does, however, mean that I have the great pleasure to chair this panel in celebration of the 30th anniversary of Nick Hearn Books. Um, so, yeah, so thank you all very much for being here. Uh, and on our panel tonight, um, we have Alaki Blythe, Connor McPherson, Natasha Gordon, <coughs> Howard Brenton, and, of course, Nick Hearn here at the end. Uh, first off, I'd like to kick off by talking about something or asking about something which a lot of the younger, emerging, new writers that I speak to uh, in my role here ask about, which is about that right to fail, I suppose, and that idea of uh, whether there has been a change over the 30 years, let's say, Nick Hearn Books has been in existence in the way that theatres back artists, the way that theatres support artists who may have already emerged into the mid-career or supporting mid-career artists in the late career. I wonder if I could ask that to you first, Howard, whether you think there's been a change in, in that attitude. Um, no, I don't think there has. I think the landscape of the theatre basically is still the same. The same dynamics are with us, you know. And um, I, mean, I was a child of the Royal Court in the 1960s, and uh, they put a one-act one act play of mine on, on a Sunday night. Unfortunately, it was also on with a new play, one-act play by Joe Orton. <laughs> I got completely hammered <laughs> and completely slaughtered. And, uh, but they said, we'll commission a play, we'll get you a job, come backstage, be a stagehand, you know, because I had no money. You know, so, so, but I think that attitude still, is still there in the theatre that they will support, mm -hmm. you know. Alki, what's your experience yeah, been of what that? I th what I think is, I don't know whether 30 years ago, because <coughs> I was a lot younger then, um, whether then um, they had, um, uh, whether there was the workshop culture, which is really prevalent now, which I think is precisely designed for artists to get into a room with some actors and sort of be given that right to fail and then ha maybe have a week to try things out and then at the end of the week you might sort of present 20 minutes of material or something to the powers that be um, and hopefully even if you kind of do fail if there's a seed of something in it with a bit of luck they might invite you back to kind of keep developing it and I don't know whether 30 years ago whether there was that sort of I don't know maybe I'm wrong but I don't know whether there was that sort of support which I think is really great and it's definitely been very key to to my work because actually on on the page it's it's pretty well it's pretty difficult to read um, and publish I imagine um, um, and it's sort of you know it does kind of need standing up and and hearing um, so that's been really helpful for me. Absolutely. What was that when when you started out Howard in the in the late 1960s early 1970s what was the kind of what was if anything the, the approach to workshopping work or taking work from the page onto the onto the stage? It didn't exist. Right. I mean, workshopping was invented in the late 60s. It was basically a hippie idea. <laughs> no, it was, uh, and, um, uh, yeah, and there was an enormous tension, which is still there in the theatre, between, uh, oh, between playwrights, play, tech, playwriting, and improvised shows. And the, that tension was resolved sort of by companies like Joint Stock, with Max mm. Stafford Clark, out of which came Top Girls. I did a play, lots of plays, you know. Cloud Nine, another Carol play, you know, came out of that workshop 
And I think it was began then, late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. 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 And what was your experience of that, Connor, when you were, when you were kind of doing your first plays in the 1990s? Um, <coughs> I never did any workshops or anything like that. Um, I think what you have here in London for someone like me from the outside, coming from Ireland, is probably something that maybe you're not even aware that you have. You know, this incredible subsidised um, vital industry um, devoted to putting theatre on and new plays is not something you find everywhere. And it's um, an incredible uh, resource. And I think for me, coming from Ireland at that time, where I wasn't able to get any plays on, <coughs> we had a small theatre company ourselves doing stuff in the Fringe in Dublin, but to put a play on in a professional way was ve very, very limited. What you, you know, and if you weren't, say, getting your play on at the Abbey Theatre, or somewhere like that, it really wasn't very much where else you could go. So to even have a play um, come over to London and to be put on even in a, in a fringe venue in London, like say the Bush Theatre or upstairs at the Royal Court, that's just like going to the moon for a playwright, you know? And um, so it was an incredible journey when I realized all this was here. And luckily for me, um, I was able to to continue to, to work here. I've always put my plays on here first, really because there's so many theatres, so many great actors, all the really good actors from everywhere come here to work. And um, so I, to answer the workshop thing, I always was someone who just wrote plays and then you know, sent them and if they went on, they went on. But uh, I wouldn't really know how to workshop a play. Really, I, you know, I, w I, w I wouldn't. And really, if a play needs a lot of workshopping, it, I, 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 it probably isn't. A, it is, for me, it won't be very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Natasha, um, I'm, I'm aware that, uh, that as we talk about that whole 30 years of, uh, of, of theatre that's gone by, um, your sort of journey as a playwright starts very much in this year yes. that we're in right now. Um, uh, and your terrific play, Nine Night, which was on this stage, uh, earlier this year and be going to the West End in a few weeks. Um, I just wanted to find out a little bit about how, as you were uh, forming that play or the ideas that underpinned that play, how much of an effect your earlier work as an actor had had on that, an actor working in plays by all sorts of, you were an actor who worked a lot in new writing. Mm -mm. I, just, I wonder how that, um, how you found that influence moving through Loads. the work that you did. Uh, my experience as an actor has been really crucial to my journey as uh, as a playwright, as Alaki, you know, was saying. So, as an actor, I've worked for years at the Royal Court on loads of you know different different styles of plays, um, you know, amazing playwrights, and and being in that workshop environment and space is so important for a playwright when you when you have actors that you trust to sort of take on your take on your vision and give you feedback i i realized as an actor how vital that was to a playwright and learned lots about how you know how a play works i mean plays work in in many different ways but having that space for a playwright to be able to explore and have questions thrown at them about characters and intentions that has definitely informed my the way i write i think yeah 
absolutely. And how does that um, how does that influence for you, Howard? Work over a over a career as a writer, the influence of watching other work. I mean, how much work do you go and see? How much of that do you feel feeds back into your thinking about form or about the kind of work that you want to create? Um, well, I've, I've workshopped one, uh, one or two plays, but no, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a dinosaur in this. I write <laughs> the thing and uh, then you get into rewrites. Yes, I rewrite a lot. But, but with the people who are going to put it on, yeah. you know, with the director um, or and the literary manager of the theatre, once they've said yes, the fear of God comes into you and say, I must improve <laughs> this. And you open up the, your theatre in your head where you workshop. But this is an old practice. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, how does the theatre influence you? Other, uh, how do other productions in yeah, how the, the theatre that you, as you've, you must have seen so much theatre in your life as a playwright, how is that, how is that, as you've gone through different periods and different fashions that you've seen move around, how has that influenced your own craft or the kind of plays that you want to write yourself? Has it had an influence? Or have you, do you feel you've very much followed your own? Well, um, look, look, in the theatre, there, there, there's been, the, the dynamic is still the same, which is the theatre's trying all the time to reform itself, to turn itself inside out. There's always that impulse, mm. you know, which is then being resisted by the more conventional elements in the theatre. Mm. There's this endless struggle, you know, and it's come in waves, really, in, in, in the time, I've, in the 50 years or so I've been, I've been a writer. Um, the, the first wave was the Royal Court, you know, a lot of it's come out of the Royal Court, mm. the cradle of, of new writing and of changing the theatre for the good, you know. And there was sort of Wesker, Bond, Osborne, that generation. Um, then there was us, me, Carol, um, David Hare, you know, um, uh, the whole sort of came to be known as state of the nation writing, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, we sort of went round saying we are the, we are the, the new, the neo-Jacobeans, you know, all that, all that stuff, you know. But then, then, then we were sort of shoved out of the court. <laughs> and, and, uh, and the Sarah Kane, the new generation, Sarah Kane, that new expressionist, post-communist era expressionism, you know, um, came in. And now we have another new wave, which is out of the Me Too movement, the, the feminist writing, which is, you know, again, coming out of, the, you know, the court is now right at the centre of that. So there's this theatre is constantly trying to turn itself inside out. And the reason is always to make it more real, I think. Like with Shakespeare, you know, he was, the shock of Shakespeare was he was trying to make the theatre more real. Um, so so I, that's what I've seen, you know. So I've been buffeted by these waves. I went incredibly out of fashion in the 90s, you know, way out. Then I somehow, <laughs> come, now somehow I, I, I came back. I'm half in, half out at the moment. But, but, you, but, but you know, and, and it, is, it is a bit like a whole line of Julius Caesar scenes with one generation stabbing the other in the back. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I tell you... <laughs> But I tell you, it's great fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Stuart, can I say something on behalf of, of young, younger writers who, I mean, we have here uh, a number of writers who've had considerable success. I'm very aware that younger writers uh, go into, a, are in danger of going into a kind of development hell. There's a, um, that's a phrase which you hear from 
screenwriters that they're endlessly having to rewrite, but I think it's beginning to affect the theatre. And I'm hearing from young writers, they've got a play, uh, they, uh, the, a theatre shows interest, they want it rewritten, um, uh, could they change the gender of some of the characters? Well, we'll have a think about that. Uh, we'll try and find a director. And this goes on and on for months and months and months. Um, the, play get, the play gets progressively out of date. So, it's, it, it, so workshopping in some areas of the theatre can be a kind of excuse on behalf of the theatre for not putting the play on. Mm -hmm. And my memory, it may be rosy, of 30 years ago, is that it was a much smoother path to the stage. Uh, a, a f an artistic director s would say, yes, we're going to do it, and the play would go on. Now, it, that may not have always been a good idea, and one may have said, well, that could have, you know, that came on, it could have done it, but, but it, there, is, there, are these, there is this downside mm. to workshops. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and sometimes a, a, a director can be brought on board maybe too soon in the workshop before the writer really maybe knows what it is and especially if it's a young writer can feel maybe slightly sort of intimidated by this kind of other influence in the room and slightly loses l loses sense of of what it is and the play hasn't really been properly formulated for them so there's a danger i think sometimes of getting stuff into workshop yeah. too soon before the writers really solidified what it's about and, and what it is, Om and they kind of it gets further and further away from them. Almost like the sort of American system of readings, where there are so many uh, yeah, every new play exactly. gets dozens and dozens of readings and acquires many many prizes long before potentially yes. an audience has ever actually yeah, got I to sit down to see it. Yeah. So when I do, I try to kind of resist having a, a director in there too soon, just because yeah. I'm like I need to be sure that I know what I think this is about before then the influence of somebody else. Well, know? of course. I mean, like I don't know how many of you here direct or have directed your own plays but I mean I just I always direct my own plays yeah. Mm. yeah and so for me the rehearsal is the workshop we're just doing it we're changing <laughs> it so fast <laughs> when you direct it yourself you change it like that you know and um I'm miserable for the publisher by the way yeah <laughs> I know yeah but uh it's terrible but you know, I, I wouldn't like what you're saying, a director could come on too early and yeah. is that person the right person? I yeah. mean, there's so many ways a play can, mm. yeah. can fail, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've, we've mentioned the Royal Court quite a few times already this evening as that kind of crucible of, of, of playwriting and what a vast influence it's had over, over kind of British new writing over the last 50 years or so. Um, there has, though, been a change, it feels like to me, in, in the kind of supremacy of the text and of the script and of the playwright uh, in a kind of uh, in relation to the theatre maker or the devised process or the uh, or the the more process based way of making art rather than the script and the director coming together in what might be considered a traditional sense. I wonder if if you could maybe speak to that a little bit, Alaki, from your own work bending form and working in very particular ways. When yeah, you feel I that's mean, been an evolution? Yes, I think there is a I mean, not that, you know, I didn't start with verbatim existed a long time before my work did, but um I think, yeah, there has been a, a fashion now of more immersive theatre. Um and it's I think it sort of comes back to what Howard was saying in terms of um people wanting it to be authentic and um, you know, and honest and, and real. Um, and so obviously I suppose verbatim kind of speaks to that um, and whether that also maybe ties in with the popularity of, of documentaries as well um, as, a, 
as a form that, you know, now people go and watch them, not just on TV, but, you know, in cinemas and stuff. Um, so I think that's, that's where my work has sort of chimed. Um, and then obviously kind of punch drunk leading the way with a theatre, not just being about us and them, but us all kind of being living in the same space and feeling people having more of a sort of visceral experience. I think it's just that constantly, like you said, pushing the boundaries in terms of it being real and people getting as close to the action as possible. I think it's just pushing that envelope really. Um, Thank you. Um, you've, uh, uh, you've almost, all of you here have, have had some time, uh, uh, all of the writers here have had some time writing for TV and film as well as for theatre. And I know, Natasha, that's something that you're going to be moving into with Nine Night sometime soon. Um, I wonder if, uh, I feel like in the past there was maybe something of a kind of expected progression in which writers would cut their teeth in the theatre and then move into TV and film. I feel more and more with young writers coming through now, they're being expected or they are choosing to write for TV and film at the same time as they're writing for theatre, that they're having, that they're beginning their careers in something of a parallel path, partly maybe because of the kind of massive demand for new content and new scripts from new content producers. Um, but also, I think, because of the kind of financial realities of it. Um, I wonder, Connor, if you, could, if you could let me know what you thought about what the impact that might have on playwriting and playwrights. I think playwrights will always be playwrights first. Um, you're, it's, it's, you're, it's like a religious duty. You will always come back to it, and it calls you back. I think you will feel tremendous guilt if you felt you spent a couple of years working on some what you would probably regard as something disposable when you could have do, been doing something, um, you know, really holy. <laughs> I know that sounds really strange, but I think it's like a, it is like a vocation. I think everybody involved in the theatre, nobody's in the theatre for the money. Um, you're there because you're just fascinated by the strange, mysterious uh, trance that theatre can create out of very little. I mean, you know, here we are, what's here? Nothing, really. And uh, we could, you know, uh, we, we, we could go to the moon from here. And there's something about that which is fascinating. So I think it's great for young writers um, to be able to do... I mean, a lot of people would regard screen work... Yes, it's always fascinating in the beginning because you think, oh, this could be great. Mostly you probably do tend to look at those things as a good gig and it was good to do, and it might have been interesting, and it might have even been great in some way, but I think playwrights will always, always, always mm. come back. Do you feel that holiness of theatre as well, Natasha, when you look at the start of that career and where you're going to go from now? Well, it's, it's interesting, because I was in a meeting with a TV production company today, and I, I see the two things as completely different, actually. You know, what's being asked of me uh, is two totally, they're different, the different worlds, you know, in in the TV world, and I feel like you know I'm learn having to learn so much so quickly. But it, the the story is more about what the camera sees, what the camera picks up, how you engage uh, an audience for an hour, what what little snippets of story do you give them to hook them in so that they will commit with you for a full hour, and that's. That's really tricky. That's that for me. That's using a different part of my brain, and it's it's thinking of structure in a way that I don't. When I'm sitting down to write a play, when I sit down to write a play, I hear a voice, and I might see a scene, or there may be something inside me that I'm wrestling with that I want to get out. None of those things seem to apply so far. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the production company I'm working with are amazing, you know, but I, I am learning that it's, it's, a, it's a different set of skills that are, that are needed. So it's quite, it's really challenging, not quite, it's really challenging actually. Mm. And you have to be, I feel you yeah, have to be less, like what we're saying about your direct, you, you know, direct your shows anyway, but even if you don't direct them in theatre, you have so much more clout in the room because it's generally, it's just you and the director and well, maybe the designer's there too, but maybe there's three or four creatives, but in, in TV and film, there's, there's hundreds and your voice is like <laughs> this big. <laughs> um, and you might have no say in, in casting or um, but you know, location or anything like that. You know, you literally do just sort of hand, I mean, TV and film, they, 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 they differ slightly between the two, but, but um, yeah, in, in, in theatre, you feel like you're the god and you're sort of, you know, you have, you have say. And it's just kind of taking that sort of like, okay, so the pay packet's better, but <laughs> how much am I actually being listened to here? And well, uh, you know, so. But especially in, in subsidised theatre, I mean, the national theatre here is like a beacon to the world. There isn't really anything like to say in America for all its huge, I mean, they have philanthropy, but there is no like government body that is supporting something like this. Um, writing for the screen, making films, making TV, the commercial realities just mean you're going to have to collaborate with people who basically know more than you do mm -hmm. about what will work, you know, and you can argue against it, but you're, it's, it's a little bit of a deal with the devil. I'm not, sorry, I'm not <laughs> trying to say it. But I mean, but whereas the theatre... Oh, I've been walking the with Satan. Yeah, but the theatre <laughs> never feels like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I had a great time on television, actually, just for a while. <laughs> I, 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 uh, um, I you wrote Spooks a, for a bit? I wrote, yes, I wrote 14 episodes of Spooks <laughs> in the first four series. Uh, it was a spy series. And uh, in the end, I ran out of uh, spy stories, you know, and I was, I'm going to start stealing Le Carre, which will be the end, you know. But, but, um, but I loved it because it was like the poetry of Tosh. <laughs> I loved that element that, you know, you could put real things, many of the stories were actually real, but because they were in this, this genre, the, the reality of them was all distorted, but it had a kind of poetry, you know. But then it all went wrong, you know, when the, the, the really powerful director left, uh, the powerful BBC exec went, and the committee began to move in, and, you know, it was... And also I was exhausted, and they were all half my age, you know, so I, so I, I gave up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to ask uh, Nick, uh, as it is the 30th anniversary of Nick Book starting, uh, why on earth, 30 years ago, you decided to publish plays, <laughs> of, all, of all things? Well, uh, that's easy. I had already spent, done 15 years hard as the drama editor of Methuen, so it was, a, it was a question of getting out from under. Methuen had, uh, uh, to some extent, lost its way, rather as Howard was talking about spooks. And there were a number of things I very much wanted to do uh, and, and broke out on my own in order to try to do them. It was scary, because it was just me to start with. And we've gone from naught titles uh, <laughs> to, to about 1,500 titles in those 30, <coughs> 30 years. Um, a, 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 and the, the, the thing that, one of the things that I really wanted, there were two things I really wanted to do. One was to uh, shorten the time between uh, the uh, opening of a play and the availability of the script. And it, I'm glad to say it's now a commonplace that you can go into the theatre uh, on the first night, or even sometimes on the preview, and acquire a script 
of the play in the theatre, um, which has, I think, it's sometimes tough for the writer. I know it's sometimes tough for the writer because there's a moment, of course, where they have to kiss goodbye to a text and there's something about print, however much we reassure them that uh, w we'll change it in, in, um, in reprint, you can make your changes then. There's still something a bit daunting, but nonetheless, I think the benefits outweigh the disadvantages. And the other thing I wanted to do was to bring, uh, this is a, almost a, a, a technical industrial point, was to bring um, amateur rights uh, within, the, uh, within our uh, uh, ambit because it seemed to me a shame that we were we were putting plays out into the world and yet not promoting them through uh, the, the, the natural course of their life, which was a professional to amateur, then to being studied. Well, uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to call it there, but thank you all so much for coming. And thanks most of all to our fantastic panellists, Nick, Eliki, Connor, Natasha, and Howard. Thank you. Thank you.